You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. And if you're curious about doing an on-air coaching call yourself and sharing your story with my podcast audience... I currently offer those opportunities to patrons of the podcast. To find out more about becoming a patron, go to teachingyoga.net slash patron. That's P-A-T-R-O-N, patron. In fact, I'd love for you to go do that right now. Pause this, and when you come back, we'll jump into today's conversation. Chanel, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. (laughs) Would you be willing to start by sharing a little bit about your teaching and what you're doing with it right now? So I have been teaching for um, a little over five years. I started teaching. um, When I started teaching, I was actually teaching beginners yoga. That was kind of where I started with and and then kind of moved into some different areas, uh, vinyasa, I've done a little bit of restorative and a little bit of yin, but my heart is kind of, my heart is kind of in vinyasa and and kind of a creative flow of vinyasa. I'm working on developing my own business, um, trying to get outside of the studio. And so that's where, that's where I'm at right now. I still have some classes that I teach in the studio, but I'm working to get more into my own business. So when you say that you want to develop your own business and you want to get outside of the studio, what's your vision? What are you thinking about? What do you see that you're working towards right now? Well, I've been teaching online for three years and I would like to grow that. Um, I love the online uh, world and especially with the way things are right now, it seems like a great time to kind of really um, build on that. And I, and I wish I would have built on it a little bit before this all happened, but I, I was set up for it when it happened. So luckily I was already on Zoom. I already had the technology, the lights, all that kind of good stuff. So I was already kind of set up for it, but I, I need to take it to the next level. Um, I would also like to get to the point where one day I can host some retreats um, and do some teacher trainings as well. Okay. So you want to hold retreats, you want to hold trainings, and you want to expand your online offerings. Tell me more about what that would look like. Are you thinking dropping classes? Are you thinking series? Do you have another vision for the structure of how you want to work with people online? 
honestly, I would like to be able to drop some of the classes right now. I teach probably 12 classes a week, which is a lot. Um, and I also have a, another job that I do as well. So I would like to try to drop some of the classes. I want to be able to get to the point where I can create some evergreen content, some courses and programs like that. I just haven't found quite uh, my niche. So I don't know exactly what direction to, to take that into. All right. And remind me what you wanted to talk about today. What would be your one goal that you'd like to take away from our time together? Content creation when you don't have a specific niche. So the short answer to that is it's really hard without a niche. I mean, that's kind of the baseline and the beginning because you can see how if you don't have a niche, you have too many options and it's really hard to know what to talk about. Tell me the work you've already done with niche. I've done the, you know, the whole um, ideal client. I've done avatar. I've done that. And then I've also looked at like what do I attract, what do I naturally attract and what, what naturally, you know, comes into my classes. And I don't see it as being a niche. And maybe it is and I just haven't defined it, but I haven't. I haven't got that yet. So right now I feel like, I feel like for some um, yoga teachers, it's a little bit easier because they have like specialties. Some of them come from like a personal trainer background or some of them come from these different backgrounds that helps them to kind of focus in on a, a specific target market where I just came into yoga, just, you know, just loving yoga. <laughs> I didn't come in with any um, specific trainings um, that, that would help me niche down. Well, you didn't come in with a specific training, but you came in with a specific background because we all have a background. We all have a history. And so who you are and who you were before you started teacher training still does influence how you teach and who you attract. You would think so. You would, you would think so. But so my background, so let me give you a little history. But my background, I've always been an um, athlete, track all the sports, all the sports. That's actually how I got into yoga is because I blew out both of my knees and they told me I couldn't run anymore. And so they told me to try yoga. And I was just like, I don't want to do yoga. That's just stretching. I was one of those people. And I quickly discovered that it wasn't and completely fell in love. But the people that I attract are not athletes. They, they, most of them don't have any kind of athletic background. I attract a very, and it's, if you look at my classes, I attract the same kind of people, but I don't know what that niche is. Okay. So tell me more. Describe the people that you attract. I attract, I don't know if it's called middle age because I'm, I'm about to be 40. So I don't know what middle age is anymore. I attract, <laughs> I attract women usually from the age like 30 to like 45, usually white women, a, a lot of teachers, a lot of moms. You've just described the people who do yoga. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it was, it was, um, I don't attract, I don't attract the younger crowd. I don't attract like any of the twenties, the 20 something category. I don't attract any of them. So I don't, and like I said, like I said, I really, I attract yoga <laughs> practitioners. People. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's do this. In your mind, pick out like the three students who you, it just lights you up when they show up in class. The top three where you're like, oh, I'm so glad they're here. That makes class better. Yeah. All right. Number one, she actually, um, she's not an athlete, 
but she's very athletic as far as she does a lot of hiking, climbing, boating, kayaking, um, very adventurous. Uh, she's probably about, no, she's like 50. She's, she's 50 something, but great shape, willing to try anything, positive attitude, um, will try anything you throw at her. Um, another one, actually, maybe I do attract athletes. She's, she's a tennis player. Uh, she's a mom. She's about 40. I think she's about 43. Um, great personality, bubbly, like I am. Um, again, one of those ones that's like willing to try anything. Um, let's see, third one. Let's pick Shannon. She's a mother. Um, she has a, a toddler. She's about 36 years old. She actually is a certified yoga teacher, but does not teach. And I don't know, say I, I'm more attracted to like, their energy is what I think I love so much about them. And I think that's kind of why they like me as well as our energy, it, it meshes really well. Okay, so would you, could we say that as a sort of a working niche that you work with high energy, positive women who enjoy a challenge? Yes, I like that. Yeah, I think that this could be a great niche. And now when you create content, you know you're not shying away from that high energy, that challenge, posit but positivity, right? So it's positive, but we're not gonna like, you know, avoid things, tough conversations. We're, we're willing to look at the things that are harder and that are maybe uncomfortable because we know the freedom that lays on the other end. So that's what I would focus on when I create, when you create content. Oh, I, I really like that. I really like that. I like the, I, I love the, the high energy positive part because that's me. That is, that is what I am. And like I said, and, and that's like most of the time when I get like compliments and whatnot, that's what it's like. Her energy is so great and she's so positive. And so that's, that's what I like to, to bring to my students. And in, in return, they kind of give that back to me as well. So we, I kind of, I want everybody who leaves my class to feel like empowered and positive and, you know, know that they are perfect just the way they are. Like that is, that is my thing. It's like, you don't need any of these external things to make you perfect. It doesn't matter what society says about, you know, these quote unquote norms. You are perfect just the way you are in your body and your practice, all of that. So that's kind of my vibe. Yeah, that's awesome. And not everybody who you attract is going to embody that from the beginning, but they want to be influenced by your expression of that. So knowing that in this conversation around, okay, these are the people that are, that just really, I connect with, that I feel really good about having in class. That doesn't mean you're excluding people who are more introverted, more hesitant, anything like that. It just means that you get to really fully embody being you and allow the students to choose whether you're the right teacher for them or not. Right. So I think that this is an awesome start to a niche. I think this works great. And it really gives you permission to be yourself 
in your content. And that's what's going to be, I think, most important first for feeling authentic about the content you create. And then second, for even making it have that be attractive to, to people, because I think that flavor of authenticity is so important for being appealing, you know, right. just being enjoyable to consume. I, I totally, totally agree. But so this is where, this is where I, I get confused kind of. So if this is kind of like my, my beginning of a, of a niche, the content that I would create for this, how would I create content specific to this high energy, positive woman? Like say, for instance, if somebody's um, niche is, uh, uh, let me think of a, what's a good one. That's a good one. I'll just use this one. Like people who focus on people with adrenal fatigue. So they make their content about adrenal fatigue and how yoga can help it and, and whatnot. So how, how would I speak to, to the people that I'm trying to reach? Yeah, well, I think the first step is to have some conversations with them. Like I would reach out to these three women and get on Zoom with them and talk to them. Just first build a rapport, just chat, and then ask them questions about what do they think about? What do they care about? What do they worry about? Because even people who are high energy and positive, they still struggle. They still question things. They still need encouragement. And so what you want to figure out is, well, what topics do they need encouragement about? Do they need motivation to get out the door on days where the weather's not so nice? Do they need a reminder that it's okay to be high energy, that it's okay to be themselves and they don't have to tamp themselves down to please other people? I mean, I'm just coming up with this stuff off the top of my head, but you can, the most effective stuff is going to be somebody that is your student told you, I worry right. about this. I struggle with this. And you're going to be like, oh, now I know what to say. Okay. Yes. But the other thing, of course, is what do you need? What does Chanel need? Make content for yourself. And that's what I've been doing. I've, I've been posting pretty much really what I've been posting has been for me and just hoping it resonates with somebody else. Yeah. So whatever it is that I might be going through or might be dealing with or what might be going on in my practice or, you know, things like that, that's what I speak about and just kind of hope that it kind of resonates with others. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a good start. I think it helps when you get validation from real people. And I also think that when you create that content, you start with the kernel of, okay, this is what I need. This is what I'm working on. But then when you actually create the content, you picture this other person in your mind. And so it's going to come out differently versus you talking to yourself, which, you know, we're, we're all a little bit different, but we tend to be a little harsher with ourselves. We tend to um, have higher expectations and not be as patient or as gentle. So if you picture somebody else, it will make you feel really alive because there's a real person you're talking to. And it will also bring out just some different sides of you than it would when you're kind of in an echo chamber, really talking to yourself. So you can let what you need to be thinking about or focusing on or hearing be the kernel and then let the expression come with this other person in mind. Okay. I like that. That's good. So content. I've, I've been working on trying to be more consistent with my content. Um, 
both on my social media and on my website. And so I've been trying to figure out ways to kind of repurpose it. So how do you feel about free content as far as like classes on YouTube as opposed to like putting the classes on a subscription site? Because I've been kind of toying with how I want to do that because I, I, like I said, I want to stop having to teach as many classes and be able to make some income where I'm not actually working my body. <laughs> and so I, I've been struggling because I, I, I want to provide for, for those who may not be able to, to afford that, but I also want to be able to make a living as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that providing free content on YouTube is a tough business model. Like if you post full classes, uh, you got to get a really big following to find that small slice of people that are willing to pay for extras. I don't have anything morally against it. I just think it's a more difficult road. What I'm a bigger fan of is posting little tutorials and snippets on YouTube for free where people can get a sense of you. And then the bulk of like the full practices they have to pay for. You know, the thing is that there is already way more free yoga classes on YouTube than any one person could consume. Very true. (laughs) People who can't afford to pay for your classes, they're not left out in the cold. (laughs) They they have lots of options. And, you know, how many of them are going to find you anyway? Because the thing is, if they find you and they reach out to you and they say, Chanel, you know, I know there's all these other free classes, but I just want to learn from you. And I don't have the funds to join your membership. You can totally say, well, here, here's a coupon code, right? You can let anyone in who wants to be in. So, I mean, I think it's important to first make your business sustainable before you drain yourself trying to make it sustainable for other people. Ooh, that touched, that touched, that touched, <laughs> that touched home. I mean, I think that's a big thing with yoga teachers. It's like, we have a big heart, we want to share, but we end up doing all the work and all the giving. And in order for us to keep doing this, in order for us to keep studying and keep creating and keep showing up, we have to get compensated unless we happen to have a a different way of meeting our needs, right? If we have a a different job or a a spouse that supports us, that's fine. Some people have that privilege, but ultimately, you know, if we are the person who supports ourselves, then, and we want to support ourselves through teaching yoga, then I really believe it's important to build a sustainable business you want it, yeah, you want to have accessibility in mind as you build it. You want to know what your values are. You want to know what you're going to say if somebody asks you for a scholarship. But I think there's a, a really big difference between saying yes to people asking you for scholarships and building out a whole, like a whole system for giving things away for free when people haven't even asked for them yet. That's, oh, that's true. That's true. So it, it makes sense to, to, you know, if they need it, if there is an issue, they can come and ask, but I'm just giving it away and they're not even asking for it for free. 
I, you know, I was a single mom for a long time and I was not shy about asking for a scholarship when I needed one. People didn't always say yes. Sometimes they said yes. Sometimes they said no, but I was not harmed when they said no either. Right. And I know there's definitely a lot of really great conversations happening about this topic, about how to make things accessible for people, how to, you know, not put people in the position of asking. I didn't ever mind asking because I was the one who wanted something for free. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing to remember is that sometimes it helps people to pay for something. A lot of times we put more effort into something that we've paid for. So it's not a simple calculation. It's complicated. It's an individual decision that each business owner has to make. But I do think that the bottom line is the business has to be sustainable. Otherwise, it's like a charity. Right. Which is nothing wrong with the charity. But I think if you're going to be a charity, be a charity and know that you're a charity and take advantage of those tax breaks. Organize your your teaching like a charity if that's your choice. If it's a business, then make a plan for sustainability and let your scholarships and your free stuff fit into that plan in a way that it still works. So would you use the free stuff to kind of help funnel into the, um, the paid? That is definitely the, the classic system. It's about giving them a taste of what you're like and showing them what you have to offer and building trust. You know, here's another really interesting and I think kind of cool thing is that most of the information that people pay to learn these days is available free. It's just not organized. It's just out there in all of these different sources and you got to spend all your time organizing it and seeing how the pieces fit together. So when you pay somebody to teach you something, you're saying, show me your order. I want to see what's important to you, what you emphasize, your interpretation of it. That's yeah. And and you're right. Most of the time, most of the stuff you can find on Google, but it's one people buy, want to buy from you because they want to hear how you present it and how you, you know, how you interpret it. Um, So thinking of courses or programs for these high energy positive women my mind goes totally blank because I don't have I don't have like a there's there's no end result like no tangible end result because it's all feeling and energy so how can I most times they they you know they have these different programs to help you and you have a tangible endpoint like say for instance when you get done you'll know how to do this or you'll be able to do this and all I can say is that you'll feel this way? Or I mean, you know, the funny thing is that feelings are what people buy. Actually, we buy because of feelings. We buy because we want to feel a certain way. And yeah, we justify it to ourselves with the tangible results. So you do have to have one, but knowing the psychology behind it is that we want to feel a certain way in order to figure out what tangible results you want to offer, you're going to have to talk to these women. And here's like kind of the magic question. If you could wave a magic wand and change anything about your life or change anything about the way you practice yoga, or you can ask it in a few different ways, what would you change? Like, what do they want? What transformation do they want? 
that's some really good market research right there. That's awesome. That's an awesome question. I like the way you worded that. And then that could be the tangible result. And like you said, the feelings are all the stuff that comes with it that they're looking for. Right. The feelings are what they're really looking for. And you do want to have tangible results so that they can justify their feelings to themselves. <laughs> I can't just have them leave like, you feel good now? Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, you could, but I think you would have a different target market. Right. Because I think your target market would be people who are like struggling with being unmotivated and low energy and you could say, okay, I'm going to teach you how to build your own energy. That's the tangible result. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Although sometimes if you're naturally like that, it can be a little bit, it, it's a little harder to, you know, you're like, well, I do that and it works. Why isn't it working for you? <laughs> oh, that, 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 that has been my life. That is like, that's always been my thing. Why? I don't, you're, you're too perky, too early in the morning. I don't understand. You haven't had any caffeine. Nope, don't drink caffeine. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> People will just want to be around you because of that. And that's that's kind of like what I kind of do in my classes. Like I, I, I give, I feel like I give a lot when I'm teaching my classes, which is kind of one of the reasons why I don't want to teach as much because I, I give so much when I'm teaching that sometimes I can feel like, whew, I really need to recharge. Like after I teach class, I need time away from everybody to, to kind of recharge and get myself together. So I, I, I still want to be able to give and do that, but in a way that it's still, I can still sustain me and keep my energy where I need it to be as well. Exactly. You have to, you can only give as much as you can replenish. And so when you're doing 12 classes a week and, and teaching and you have kids and families, you know, and you, you get done teaching the class and you're like, I can't deal with the family right now because I need, I need a moment. <laughs> Oh it can yeah, be a bit much. So trying to find that balance and trying to make sure that I can create some kind of system where I can still be able to sustain myself and provide for my family, but still be able to give the way I want to give, and still want to be able to spread spread some love, some sunshine, and roses, and all that good stuff. Exactly. And as a mom, you probably are on the same page with me about how important boundaries are. See, I was the one that if you explained to me and just like, not the why, I wasn't one of those kids that you had to tell me why, but just tell me like, don't do this. Like, mm -hmm. this is not the right way to do it. That's, I get it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. My brother was the opposite. My brother was the one that you had to yell at. And yeah, he, he just, he just wasn't, he didn't get it. Yeah. You tell me you were disappointed in me and I'm, I'm boohoo crying. I'm like, <laughs> worst punishment ever. <laughs> But, you know, the, the point is that you have to set those boundaries in your business too. Yeah. And I would never want to infantilize or, you know, treat clients as children, but at the same time, you're the leader in that relationship. When you're the teacher, you're the leader. And that, that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on in this upcoming year is to, to set some more boundaries in my business and, and quit saying yes to things that I know don't serve me. Yeah. Do you have any accountability partners? No, not really. Not, I mean, I have some in real life and not like in the yoga world, but yeah. no. I mean, I find it to be really helpful to have people who understand yoga. 
it's so fantastic to have just like a neutral third party that you can bounce ideas off of because we get so spun out in our own heads. One little decision feels big. Let's say, for example, letting go of a class that you know is not serving you. You will hold on to it for six months or five years because you just can't quite make that decision. It feels like a momentous decision. Somebody yeah. from the outside is like, let go of that class. And, and that's, that's exactly what happens right now. Like I've, I've been telling you, because there's been a couple of classes that, that, that don't serve me. The times don't work for me and stuff. And they're like, it's Chanel. It's just that easy. Just get rid of it. Yeah. It's not that easy. You don't understand. <laughs> but your, your fellow yoga teachers would understand. Right. They would understand how hard it is to let go. And I need to find one in the impact club. I need to find one, someone that I can, you know, bounce ideas off of and keep each other accountable. And did you see you that know. post? There's a post inviting people to reach out. Yes. I, I, well, I, I meant, you mentioned it. Um, and I haven't found the post though. It's, it's, I didn't see it at the top. I don't know where it is. I have I'll to tag you in it. Find it. I remember you talking about that and I was like, Ooh, that's, I need that. Yeah. It will be good. Do you have any other questions about content creation? But you gave me a lot of great things, you know, you helped me to kind of get a little niche going. And like I said, talking to the women who are my, my ideal clients and asking them what they need and so that I can start creating content for them. And then also, like you said, creating content for myself, but then thinking about them as I like build it out so that it's further telling. I mean, like you gave me a, like a ton of gems. Tons and tons of gems. I got lots of good, great notes. I know right now Facebook groups are kind of like the thing. It's kind of like try to get people into Facebook groups to create closer connection. How do you feel? Do you agree with that? I think it depends. I think there's lots of different ways to do it. I think Facebook groups can be great, um, but I don't think they're for everyone. See, and right now it's trying to find where my clients are. Because some of them are on Facebook and some of them are on Instagram. And honestly, I, I kind of like Instagram better, but. Do what you like better. Cause you're going to have to spend a lot of time on there. Yeah. But then I'm like, Ugh. then I feel like I'm going to lose people from Facebook. You can't have everybody anyway. You're right. <laughs> I know you're right. I know you're right. It's, just, it's, it's scary sometimes to, you know, to feel like you're leaving somebody out or excluding somebody, you know. I do now. And I know that I'm not the teacher for everyone and I get that and I love that. I love that I'm not the teacher for everybody. Um, I love that some people don't vibe with me. That's good. Yeah, that's a good uh, sign. It is a good sign. Uh, I want to attract those who are attracted to me and kind of not repel. I don't like the word repel, but. Yeah, you know, the people who don't like you are just going to like pass you on by. They're just going to ignore you. If you're if your message doesn't resonate, they're just they don't have extra attention to put into hating on you. You know, I mean, some people do just like the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world to me that some people have like their hobby is hating on people that they don't that's, vibe with. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. You're going to give your time and energy into this thing and this person that you don't like. Yeah, like you can give your something else more positive like yeah I, I i don't understand that whole concept of the hating and all that kind of stuff but no but we're not big enough to be hated on not really 
No. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> One small point of clarification, when you talk to the stu- your students, you need to be a little bit, not sneaky, but you need to be a little bit savvy. Because if you ask them, what kind of content should I create? They're gonna go blank. Right. So instead, you need to ask them about themselves, get them talking about themselves, find out what they're passionate about, what they care about, where they spend time on social media, but don't ask them to do your job for you. Does that make sense? Right. It's kind of like how I I go about um, getting like testimonies. I don't actually ask for the testimonials. I just kind of ask them certain questions. Exactly. That to kind of because if you ask them like a testimony, they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't. I don't know. To, I don't know what to say. And so if you ask different questions, you can get the answers that you're looking for. You just got to ask it in the right way. So. Yeah. So, so you're you're on the right track. That's exactly what you want to do with these. This as well. And then, you may already know this, but for anybody listening, a little bit more guidance on content creation. It's helpful to do a bunch at once. So instead of putting on your plate every single week, you got to create your social media posts or you got to create your videos, set aside a day and do a whole bunch at the same time. And you'll get better that way because you'll do more at once. And then you'll have a break where you can just release it. And then you can learn from the feedback and do it again. But it just really feels like a hamster wheel if you are trying to do it a little bit at a time here and there. I've been trying to, to do, I've been trying to work on that batch content creation. But then, like I said, I, I didn't know what to create. So yeah, I just kind of like, it's been kind of almost like, almost day to day, just kind of like, well, what, what, should I, what should I create today? And yeah. so, like I said, I would like to have some kind of structure so that I can like once a month or maybe twice a, twice a month, sit down and get some stuff scheduled and done so that my life is a lot easier. Definitely. So I think it's a great idea to write down ideas throughout the month. Put a a day on your schedule a month down the road or something. And from now until then, have some conversations with your students, but also listen to them before and after class. What are they commenting on? What questions are they asking, right? They might ask a question in class. You might answer it in class, but that doesn't mean that everybody from your other classes heard it. So write that question down. That's gold. I have all these ideas on sticky notes. I've got sticky notes up on the wall. I've got sticky notes on my computer. And this is just like my brainstorming, basically. And then when it comes time to actually create the content, then I might, anything that I've created, then I'll toss it. But if I want to remember it, I put it on a sticky note. Right. And you can just go back and look at the sticky notes and you have all your ideas already kind of mapped out for you. Yeah. Until you and I met, I've been working on content all day. And what I did first was create a list of topics. Then I used the notes on my phone and just talked my ideas out. You know how you can talk to text? So I just talked, I I walk, I kind of pace my room and I talk into my phone and it transcribes it into notes. Then because I, this is one of the most brilliant things, technological things that ever happened to me because I have an iPhone, I got an iMac. 
and the notes from my phone automatically syncs. This is just revolutionary. <laughs> it has changed my life. But anyway, I don't want to do anything. I just set my phone down. I go to my computer. I pull up those notes and I copy and paste them into Google Drive and I edit them on my computer. And it's just so much faster, like, first of all, to talk while I'm like <laughs> pacing the room. And yeah. then it's super fast to edit it into something decent. That's a great way to do blog posts and all kinds of, yeah. Yeah. So I got a lot done today. That was super helpful. Thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy day of content creation to talk about content creation. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of perfect, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Madeau. I appreciate you so much for everything that you do for me, the community, and everything. Thank you so much. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And also want to give a huge thank you to the patrons of the podcast who contribute to the expenses on a monthly basis. If you're curious about deepening your connection to this community and becoming a patron, I hope you'll go to teachingyoga.net slash patron to find out about all of the perks and benefits of becoming a patron. I'm so very, very grateful to have you as a listener, and I would be incredibly delighted and honored to also have you as a patron. Keeping these podcast episodes free from outside ads is really important to me, and the patrons of the podcast are what make that possible. Once again, the link to get all the details and to sign up is teachingyoga.net slash patron. And whether or not contributing to the podcast is something you're interested or is a possibility for you in this moment, I hope that you'll remember to center your own self-care and your personal practice this week. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast.